Hey everybody, this is Justin from FrugalSnobs.com, and before we get into another episode of the award-winning on-demand auto experience, never won an award, but that could all translate to say that is the Frugal Snobs podcast. I just wanted to take a moment to thank everyone for your continued listenership and loyalty to this show. It really helps us out. If you haven't done so already, please do make sure that you subscribe uh, by subscribing on iTunes and or by subscribing on Google Play Music. You can also add us to your Stitcher playlist or check us out on TuneIn Radio. If you'd like to find out more about us, you can go to frugalsnobs.com and register while you're there. Folks, again, it helps us out. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash frugalsnobs on the Twitter at twitter.com slash frugalsnobs. Tweet us at frugalsnobs or use the hashtag Frugal Snobs to keep the discussion going, folks. If you'd like to see images of all of our great content at frugalsnobs.com, you can check us out on Tumblr by going to frugalsnobs.tumblr.com. And of course, folks, you can check out select video episodes of this podcast as well as all of our short-form content by checking out our YouTube channel by going to videos. That's v-i-d-e-o-s.frugalsnobs.com. All right, folks, enjoy the episode this week. Be well, never pay retail, and I hope everyone enjoys the show. Hey everybody, this is Justin from FrugalSnobs.com. Today is Sunday, August 7th, 2016, and welcome to episode 65 of the Frugal Snobs podcast, the award-winning on-demand auto experience. It's never won an award, but that could all change, as we'd like to say. So, hey Christina, how are you doing today? Excellent. Today we're going to talk about partnerships. We have a few stories. We want to talk about uh, some of our coin finds this weekend. I have a couple of reviews from Starbucks. And, of course, our bonehead of the week, and Christina has a story as well. And, of course, we're going to be relying on driversed.com, correct? I'm sorry, but unfortunately we have to because people around here just don't know how to drive. And that's universal, though. It's True. not just here. It's everywhere. And at least these principles apply worldwide. True. All right, folks, let's go ahead and get into it with a couple of um, product reviews, and we'll talk about our bonehead of the week. Uh, Christina will talk about maintaining your lane and the importance of maintaining your lane as a motorist. And then we'll get into our topic. All right, Christina, you have a chocolate coconut macchiato from Starbucks, right? Yes, it's a coconut. Um, it's a mocha coconut milk macchiato. Oh, excuse me. It's it's a mouthful. Okay. So so what is the description from Starbucks on this? It is a chilled Sumatran coconut milk with a hint of white chocolate mocha, espresso roast combined with a caramel drizzle swirl. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> <laughs> So go ahead, take a sip. <laughs> and I got it the venti, the largest that it can come, and it was free because it's a rewards program. Of course, you got the biggest thing you could get. Mm-hmm. You can't really even taste the coffee; you taste more of the caramel note. So basically, it's coconut milk, chocolate, all kinds of sugar with a hint of coffee in it. With well, yeah, it was like a shot of coffee. Of course, their, it, um, it's strong a strong It's a foo foo chick coffee. Oh wait, what am I, honey? A foo foo chick. Exactly. It's a, a foo foo chick coffee. And you gotta stick your fingers up on your whole straw. Ugh, the foo foo <laughs> chick coffee. Yeah. Anyway, I myself <laughs> picked up a Copolani blend thanks to Christina as well. Now, this of course is going to be a refillable for me, so I hope I do like it from Starbucks. And again, it's been out for what four days now? Yes, only four days. It just came out. Copolani. All right, it's Copolani. It's a short. So let me go ahead and take a sip of this thing. My, my, by the way, folks, my coffee's on the other end of that spectrum. It's all coffee. No additives, all black coffee. None of that foo-foo stuff. <laughs> all right, let me take a quick sip here. Ooh, 
That's actually very good. So this is apparently East African and Latin American blends, right? Yes, it is. Actually, um, it's from the southernmost point of Hawaii's Big Island. Okay. And um, they also blend it with the African and Latin coffees. I see. So it's kind of like Kona coffee on roids. Pretty much. It seems like. It's actually but legal. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, I believe there's bits of caramel, yes. hints, etc., and a roasted finish. Yes. Uh, it's not bad. Actually, it's actually pretty good. This, by the way, folks, if you're a Starbucks connoisseur, if you're used to the Pike Place from Starbucks, it's actually a little bit better. It's almost like a lighter version of the Pike Place. It doesn't have that burnt taste to it that you typically get out of Pike Place. Pretty good. I'd probably give at least the Copalani blend a 4.5 star snob rating. Christina, what would you give your beverage as well? Same. I'm actually, this is one of the best ones I've had as far as a mixed beverage from them. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely give this a 4, 4.5, four leaning towards a 5 because it's, Besides your tea, this is probably one of my favorite drinks. You'll probably hit up one of those teas later today, though, right? Probably. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. A couple product reviews for you. Again, go check out um, the beverages at your local Starbucks. And again, Copalani blends only been out four days, so go check that out if you're a coffee snob. Hot and off the press. Yes, and actually, this cup is nice and warm. It's not too terribly hot, and it's a nice temperature to complete this show. And you're not going to burn yourself. That's right. That's right. Cause typically, every time that I typically get a coffee from Starbucks, it burns my hand from the cup. Or the first sip I take, it's like molten lava hot. So basically, I burn my tongue. And there goes your taste buds. Yes, for at least a month, everything's going to taste like rubber. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, so let's go ahead and get into the episode. I want to talk about a few other things, a couple of updates as well as part of the episode before we wrap up uh, this week at least. Um, want to talk about this. Um, looking forward to seeing what, what uh, the Olympics hold, the Summer Olympics for 2016 in Rio for the United States. Medal count looks pretty good so far. Um, and again, I think we, we uh, basically earned a gold medal. Yes. For shooting? Yes. I like it. Ladies. Uh, ladies shooting. I like it. All right, folks. If you're an international audience, again, welcome and thank you. And by the way, we wish luck to all of your competitors um, during the Summer Olympics this year. Again, special time of year. Good stuff coming up. And we're also looking forward to the men's soccer, or should I say men's football, uh, at the Olympics, especially given that it's a World Cup preview, essentially. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, looking forward to see what uh, the upcoming days hold for the Olympic Games in Rio. So, all right, let's go ahead and get into our Bonehead of the Week. You want to do that? Yes. All right. So, first Bonehead of the Week is anyone who doesn't read the forecast or check your weather before you do something. Yesterday, Christine and I outside the studio saw a grill. Did we not in the, in the, the, the little terrace area outside yeah, of the studio? Yeah, a grill out there on a drab, dreary, rainy afternoon. That's right. Apparently, early in the day, folks, it was actually very nice uh, outside. The weather's been very nice here in Northern Virginia. It's been probably in the low 80s to mid-80 degree yes. uh, Fahrenheit range. The heat wave is over. Yes. So it's been very nice. Our evenings are nice and cooler. I mean, especially for August, we're looking at upper 60s in the evening, so we can open windows and things like that. Uh, but yesterday, it was warm in the morning toward noontime. Apparently, someone wanted to grill, so they took their small grill out to this, this um, terrace uh, area that we have outside the studio, and they were grilling. And apparently, they left their grill outside. Afternoon shower came and torrential downpour all over the grill. So yeah. check your forecast <laughs> before you start grilling. And if you are going to be grilling outside, make sure you take your stuff inside. First bonehead. Your bonehead's more interesting, though, about someone not maintaining a lane, correct? Yes, and it was in Washington, D.C., in the heart of the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Please keep in mind, people, that these lanes are very constrictive regardless of what time of day you're driving Are in. they narrow also? Yeah, that's why I'm saying constrictive. Ah, okay. Because... You can park, with the one-way roads, you can park on both sides of the road. Yeah, it's scary, especially when you have a single lane of traffic with parked cars on both sides. Actually, it is three lanes of traffic with cars parked on both sides. Yeah, it's frightening. And there was a gentleman who 
kept veering into my lane. Was he coming from the, um, the opposing direction? No. Oh, so... He oh. was beside me, so I didn't know he could come up and tap me, or he'd push me out, off, out of the way, because he did not know how to maintain his lane. All right, so you, ha- you actually at least have a tutorial, if you will. Yeah. Oh, again? That's me with my if you will. That's one strike. Um, again, I'm trying to break my habit, folks. So... You have a tutorial from driverzed.com, right? On the importance of maintaining your lane. Other than keeping yourself safe and, you know, of course, maintaining your life force. But go ahead. And I was also going to add, also, with the roads being so constrictive in Washington, D.C., maintain your lane so you can maintain the flow of traffic and not bottleneck it where you're at. That's absolutely true. Not in any big city, though, around yeah. the world. I mean, people, just please drive responsibly. I mean... I, don't, I used to always say drink responsibly when I used to do the, the beer reviews for this podcast, but drive responsibly, please. Whether or not you've been drinking, drive <laughs> responsibly. That was good. That was pretty good. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was pretty good. So from driversaid.com, can you please inform all of our listeners who are already highly educated because they tune into this show, of Absolutely. course. Absolutely. Can you please, please explain via driversaid.com the importance of maintaining one's lane? Yes, it is very important, according to driversed.com, to maintain your lane position. A new driver should learn to keep the vehicle in the center of the driving lane away from the edges. Now, keep in mind that whenever you get, get closer to another lane, you start to impact that traffic. That's true, because you're, going to, uh, you're basically going to impact all of the cars that are in that lane due to your action. Correct, and the only time that you should not... Stay in the center of your lane is whenever you're trying to dodge or miss an obstruction that's in the road that you cannot... Avoid? Yes. I guess avoid an obstruction. Protect your car. But also keep in mind that there is some leeway with how big the lanes are, but you also got to respect the line. That's why the lines are there. Exactly. And whenever your tire is on the line, you're actually impeding the traffic beside you. Yeah. Yeah. Lines are there for a reason, people. Yeah, I like that. See? They say color within the lines. How about drive within the lines? <laughs> but, that, but, that, that, but but think about it this way, though. Those who never colored within the lines had a blank canvas, and they produced some of the best art ever. Well, apparently you want to maintain your life, so you, you don't want to make so a masterpiece. So you can have the best life ever, maintain your line. That's true, and that's why you don't want to make a masterpiece out of death. Exactly. So. Blood is not a means of art material. <laughs> means of art material? It's not a supply, folks. Yeah. Okay. So, are we done with that now? Yes. All right, second bonehead of the week. This is ridiculous. So, two boneheads of the week. We're also still working on the Coke points, folks. We're at over 600 right now. Yes. Um, I think we're going to be cashing in for a restaurant.com gift card sometime soon. They're only 300 points. That's right, and we'll be bringing you a review of whatever restaurant we select. All right, folks. Well, it's early August here, and um, things are going pretty well into episode 65. But I did want to give everyone a quick update before we talk about our coin finds this weekend. Um, I did mention last weekend that we may not have had an episode 65 this week. We may have been delayed until next week due to an infrastructure move. Um, we've decided to delay the infrastructure move for roughly a week, so we may be moving that rolling podcast to next week where we will not be having an episode uh, broadcast on the weekends as we typically uh, release an episode of this show every weekend. Um, again, this is for your benefit and to help us grow and develop additional outlets for this podcast. We've outgrown basically our playpen, so to speak. So we need to move on to, with an infrastructure move to bring you the best listening experience possible. Does that mean we're going to the bullpen and really take it on the world? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So 
Um, we do thank everyone for their, their listenership, and we want to, of course, maintain and expand on what we have. And one way to do that is to, of course, extend and improve our infrastructure and also um, create a, a cost-effective uh, model for delivering this show every single week. Remember, folks, it's an organically generated show, so we are paying for this, um, but your donations and your uh, shopping at Amazon and the other methods for helping out the podcast really do help, so please do continue to do those. Um, I don't want to beleaguer everyone with that, but again, organically generated show. We hope you like what you hear, and we hope that you're going to stick with us for the, uh, the foreseeable future. All right, so that was the first item is with the infrastructure move. And by the way, folks, if you have any podcasts that are grassroots or any podcasts that you like that you'd like to add to a new podcasting network, please do do, uh, do so at uh, Podcast Royale. That's a Frugal Sauce project. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-R-O-Y-A-L-E, podcastroyale.com, all one word. Get out there and submit your shows, folks. You can submit the URLs for the networks or for the shows. We'll take a look, and we'll also start to build out pages for those shows for absolutely free in the foreseeable future. If you are a podcaster and you'd like to join the network, it is absolutely free right now, so do submit your feed. And also, we'd like to help out uh, aspiring podcasters as well and get you on a network and also help you make that step uh, toward the most popular networks as well, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, etc. So get out there and submit your shows at podcastroyale.com. All right. So I plug Podcast Royale, right? I've talked about the infrastructure move, which is yeah. coming. Let's talk about our coin funds this uh, this week. So what did you find this week? You found two war nickels, did you not? Yes, whenever um, I got a loot of nickels. A loot of nickels. How many rolls in nickels did you pick up? Oh. Ugh. <laughs> I'm just trying to think here. I picked up 20 rolls of pennies, I believe. Yes. Yeah, I'll get to that shortly, folks. I think if my numbers are correct... I got a total of 27 rolls. 27? 50, $54 worth. Wow, of nickels. Yes. Wow, of United States five cent pieces. So yes. in all of that, you were able to find some scarce nickels, make yourself a roll of 40 yes. scarce nickels. And from so did you. Yes, from 1939 to 1961. Yes. Um, uh, fortunately, at least for me, I had just enough for 40 to hit that roll. Or I so. would have given you, since I had spare. Yes, well, thank you. Well, now you have a second roll that you're starting. Yes, I have 16 already ready. So... Folks, we now have two rolls of what we call good nickels, if you will. These are based... Oh, strike two. Um, these are scarce nickels from that were minted between 1939 and 1961. Um, they are relatively scarce in circulation, but your your chances of getting them in circulation are very low, but your chances of getting them in bulk from a bank uh, tend to be higher. So we now both have a roll 40 of 40 scarce nickels from 1939 to 1961. And then I also have my full roll of the 1964s. That's true, you do. So Christina here, Miss Showoff, has a roll of 40 1964 nickels. <laughs> I'm an nickels. overachiever. I can't help it. We're not sure why this is, folks, but every time we acquire nickels, we've always found at least one, if not more than one, 1964 nickel. And it's a, it's a rolling gag with us. Yeah, it's like, okay, any 64s? <laughs> always. Any First 64s? question. Any 64s? So we've decided to take advantage of that, harness it, and Christina, as you can, you've heard, folks, um, you can tell that she's already taken full advantage of it and has now made a roll of uh, 40 1964 nickels. Uh, I'm also trailing behind. I think I have maybe six to eight right now. Uh, unfortunately, when I've acquired nickels in the past, I haven't gone through them to pick out the 1964 nickels, um, knowing that I would probably be able to acquire them you know, pretty easily in bulk. But we'll see what happens now when I'm trying to build my roll. So knowing my luck, I won't acquire any. So I had plenty of opportunities to <laughs> do that. It's perfect luck. That's true. That's true. So... Uh, also, as part of the fines this weekend, folks, I have switched my attention now to dimes and pennies now that I've essentially conquered that role of scarce nickels. But keep in mind what you were able to do. How uh, so? What? 
What? Sorry, I'm not following. With your pennies. Oh, that's true. So sorry, <laughs> haven't had enough Copalani blend yet. So twenty rolls of pennies, um, basically ten dollars worth uh, as as a passive thing. Um, Christine and I actually were both able to build uh, a roll uh, individually of uh, copper pennies. So all pennies produced between 1909 and 1982, everyone in the United States, the one cent piece, uh, are 95% copper. 90% copper. 90% copper, I apologize. So it's, it's very nice, folks, because in 1983, it's when we started to make pennies that were... Cheap. Uh, more, well, cheap. They were more cost-effective because it's kind of a running thing. Canada, I must give credit to all of our Canadian listeners, Canada is much uh, brighter in the area of, mo- of uh, money supply and minting printing than we are here in the United States. Uh, for example, uh, Canada shed itself of the dollar banknote in 1989, I believe, 88 or 89. Um, fortunately for me, I have a 1973 Canadian dollar bill. Um, but again, they favor a coin, the loonie coin, and they also have a, a they shed the $2 note for a $2 coin. The toonie is the name of this coin. Um, you actually have a loonie by mistake. Yes. <laughs> a loonie coin from a roll of dollar coins you acquired from a bank. Um, so at least you're able to just get a cool coin, so you can keep that coin. But um, with respect to the penny folks, um, Canada basically stopped minting the penny uh, long before the United States, we still mints the penny because it actually costs up to three cents to make a Canadian penny, yeah. three Canadian cents, versus making the piece itself worth only a penny. Right. So they abolished it. So in the United States, we've we've tried to be more efficient and effective with producing our pennies where they're produced cheaper. And in doing so, we now use alloys to produce our pennies versus copper. And again, 1909 through 1982 were the years of the 90% copper penny in the United States. And you can actually feel a difference in the weight as well. If you have a roll of pennies that are more current, that are basically post-1982 uh, to current versus a roll of 1909 to 82 pennies, you can feel a weight difference between the two. Major difference. Um, the copper pennies are heavier. Um, and again, they also actually are worth uh, 44% more value um, and again, I know it's only a penny, folks, but I'd rather have a penny that's worth 1.44 cents than one cent. Uh, so if you can get your hands on copper pennies, again, 1909 to 1982, um, we were able to build rolls pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, I think we made four rolls out of, out of 20. Yes. Yeah, so it was very easy to make these rolls. We get you're keeping a roll. Um, if you don't want to go through the labor and the laborious task of having to basically sort a lot of pennies, uh, you're, in, you're in luck, folks. We actually are going to be putting out our roll on, uh, on eBay uh, for auction for a roll of copper pennies. Um, more to come on that. Check the Twitter feed. Uh, we're also going to be putting out um, additional updates for the relist of the Weimar Republic 1923G 200 mark coins and the 1961 Soviet rubles. So if you want to sell these rubles, folks, go check them out on eBay. Check the Twitter feed. Follow us on Twitter and also on social media um, such that uh, you'll be able to acquire these items on eBay. And again, all proceeds, they of course benefit the Fool's Nuts Project. So we're able to build rolls of pennies. We're able to finish our rolls of scarce nickels. You were able to finish your 1964 roll of nickels, and I also acquired two Canadian pennies. And I, I actually acquired one euro cent. Oh, it's true, you did. You found ten, this. Yeah, ten a ten uh, yen cent coin. Uh, whatever the yen cent is. Yes, <laughs> I'm not sure what it's called. I apologize. We'll do research. But I found them just lying on the floor. Yeah, uh, basically near a coin-sorting automated machine called the Coinstar, for those who may not be familiar with this uh, particular uh, venue for uh, basically acquiring funds or gift cards from Amazon for your coinage. Um, But right near a Coinstar at a local grocery store, you found these two items. You also found a Bahaman penny, uh, and I thought I had a silver dime at one point. Yes. uh, Near a Coinstar. So you never know what you got, folks. Um, of course, yesterday, a couple rolls of dimes. They didn't work out for me. I'll try again later today. 
At least yeah. they weren't stuffed with any other type of coin. That is true. Very true. Because they could easily have put in a Bahama penny in there. Well, at least in the rolls of pennies, I did get two Canadian pennies in 1958 and 1982. Yes, I have a 1980 and a 1976. Yep, so we, we, I was at least able to pick up two Canadian pennies yesterday, which I don't have, and again, they don't mint them anymore. Exactly, so they're going to go up in value. Yes, yeah, so they're nice to have. Again, um, I'm not a huge fan of Canadian currency, nothing against Canada, um, but it's not something that I'm looking forward to. I will say the banknotes are very pretty. I am looking for some of the coronation notes. I was also introduced via Christina to the $18.99 uh, dollar silver certificate uh, from the U.S. Mint, and it was the, I think it was called the Black Eagle Note. Correct. Is the, the nickname for it. Again, it features Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant. Yes. Very pretty note. Um, it might be something I may go for in substitution of my bison note, uh, the 1901 $10 American Buffalo note, also called the Lewis and Clark note or the bison note. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to learning more about this note. I want one. I don't want a reprint. I don't want a specimen. You want I don't, the real deal. I want the real deal, and I'll probably drive a couple hundred dollars in value in terms of buying it, but I think it's a cool note. So It'll be worth it once it's in a carrier. Oh, absolutely. I definitely want one, and it's more affordable than the bison note. Um, but finding it's kind of more challenging, I think, than the Bison Note. If you because they even said the reproductions were going for the same amount as a real one. Yeah, the reprodu- but I don't want a reproduction. I, w- I want I the real thing. I do not want these repros. I mean, repros are great if it's if you're like a history teacher or something like that or a money enthusiast. But if you want the real deal, it's like decaf coffee. What's the point? Exactly. <laughs> By the way, it's Copalani blends. They're delicious. Very good. All right, so you want to wrap up on the coin thing, or do you want to talk about anything else? We actually... Uh, oh, my 1955. Your dimes. Yeah, yes. your dimes. So... Folks, this week Christina did pick up a set of PDS. That's Philadelphia, Denver, San Francisco, 1955 Roosevelt dimes. Yes. Right? And you paid a decent amount for those, actually. And when I say decent, I don't mean expensive. I mean decent as in very affordable. Yes, they you were $8.95. Uh, $8. Yep. And they're worth at least 11 They're actually yep. worth around $20 a piece. Oh, excuse me. So you basically purchased $60 in dimes for $9? Yes. Very good. Good for you. Excellent. I did my research before I made my purchase. Mm -hmm. Very smart, very smart. And by the way, folks, when when you are collecting, and I know there's a lot of people out there, I think we've also encountered a lot of people that are getting into collecting banknotes and coins. Yes, I have. Um, Make sure that, like as Christina said, you do your research ahead of time. And also understand that typically when you collect and perform numismatist activity, that it's mostly beneficial to you. Your collection is important to you. You're building the collection to, to, to help yourself, to give you a nice outlet. You're not necessarily building the collection just to sell it to everyone. It's it's, it's no different if you collected precious metal, right? Silver ounces, gold ounces, etc. Obtaining them is a plus, but who are you going to sell them to? There has to be a market for it to be valuable. Exactly. So that's also why we tend to also uh, engage in duplication hunting. What we mean by that is I have this coin. I want another one so that I can sell it. Exactly. We can keep one, sell one. Yep. And then you can use the sailing, the, the sales profit or the means from selling that coin or banknote to fund your additional fines. Exactly. Yep, so again, you always want to build your collection for yourself, but you also want to make sure you have enough ancillary ammunition in your collection that you can trade well or that you can sell and buy new items and not have to sacrifice what you really like just to get something new. Exactly. All right. I say more to come with these dimes as soon as they come in. They are due in, I hate to say, unfortunately, the 13th. I am the uh, Monday the thirteenth. No, Saturday the thirteenth, and I will not be able to get them because I'm having them shipped to my place of employment. 
Okay, so but I know they'll Monday. be in good hands. So you have them on Monday. Yes. That's good. And you might get them early. Who knows? I'm hoping. My Confederate they've already 10, shipped. My, my 1864 Confederate 10 came way early, and so did our, our, our $2 notes, which, by the way, we need to get those also out for auction. Yes. Um, folks, by the way, for anyone who's hunting a 1976 $2 note, uh, we'll be putting on a lot of three of them from the Richmond Federal Reserve Bank. They're the E series of the 1976 uh, $2 note. So we're putting out a, a, a lot of three if you're looking for... Again, these notes, please do check out Twitter and, of course, social media so that you can find out the latest on all the auctions that are available from the Fruit Snubs on eBay. So a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff. So, again, I'll try the dime thing this afternoon and see what I can find. I mean, I'm thinking with a decent number of dimes, I'm hoping I can find something. And also, an update, I am seven quarters away from completing my state collection of quarters. So basically, you have basically territories still to pick up? And just, like, three states. states. All right, so, um, all right, so you're getting awfully close. We need to go back to the uh, dollar coins as well, the presidential dollars. Yes, I'm over halfway, but I'm, I'm starting to get a lot of repeats. Yeah, and that's going to be the hard part, folks. I mean, when you get into a collection where it's plentiful, it, it seems like you're, make, you're making headway and momentum is on your side, but when you get to a certain point when you need just those, you get to get over that halfway point, it becomes difficult. So, um, all right, so we've talked about the coins, um, all of our findings... We've told you how you can get out there and get a piece of it as well, folks. We're doing all the work. We're here to keep it easy on you. As soon as we get duplicates, it's going on eBay. That's right. Pick it up, folks. It helps us out. And again, it's an easy way for you to buy it. Um, we're doing all the work for you. We're doing all of the all of the leg work. We're here to help you. If you have any questions about a corner, want research done, um, hit us up on social media. Or again, of course, send an email uh, to contact at fruitlessnobs.com or fruitlessnobs at gmail.com. We'd be more than happy to help you out and do any research you might need or answer any questions if we can. We will help you out if you help us out. That's we'll right. help you by getting what you want, and you help us out by paying for it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You help us out by paying for it. <laughs> so, and, and if it's something cool that you want that you don't want after we bought it, well, guess what? Keep it. <laughs> so, Top is ours. That's fair. We paid for it first, right? We found the money for it. First come, first serve. That's right. Okay, folks. Let's go ahead and get into our topic, shall we? Yes. All right, so this week we want to talk about partnerships. And we want to talk about partnerships both in your personal life, whether it's friendships, relationships. And we also want to talk about professional partnerships. Now, Christina and I both work uh, in environments where we work for given companies and we partner with others. So you work for an audiovisual company, but your offices are at a customer site, being yes. being Marriott International yes. as your customer, essentially, yes. right? Yes, and we are on location you're on premise. daily. Right, yeah, you're on premise with them, so essentially you're guests there. Yes. Right, same thing for myself, being an employed uh, individual and consultant for um, basically a security and investigations firm. I work in, in cybersecurity um, for a very large vendor of physical and logical access systems, uh, but I also work uh, as a contractor to the... Uh, government as an arm of the DOD, and I support that customer as well through a customer site. So I'm the only individual on site with a partner to serve a common customer. So we want to talk about how, how you can basically walk that fine line between serving your company and also making sure the customer gets what they want. Because many times when you work uh, side by side uh, in these types of capacities, you have to also watch where your friendships lie too. You can be colleagues, I think. I think you'd agree. You can be colleagues with the others mm-hmm. uh, from on the other side of that divide, but you're not exactly their best friend. Exactly. Yeah. And you got to make sure that they don't throw you under the bus whenever they can. That's right. To say, well, we didn't do this. This other company did it. Or go talk to them. Um, I hear it a lot in my role. Um, we, of course, vend software, which this other company, uh, will remain nameless, uses to serve the common customer. They come to us and say, well, we want you to do this work, and we want you to do this deployment. 
make it very clear if you're in a situation like this, folks, that you are not the employee of the company asking you to do the work. You are a partner to that company. So they may try to push you to do something that you actually don't need to do. Um, to give a quick example of that, we had a situation over the past month and month and a half or so where our partner has been fighting for uh, deployments of software to do a deployment of our software. In other words, they're dependent. And you know, they came to us and said, well, can you do this on a non-compliant system that you've never tested just so we can get the software running? My response was, no, we will not. And they said, well, we want you to do this. And my answer is, no. One, I don't report directly to you. It's, I don't work for you, in other words, right? Two, we didn't test it this way, so I'm not going to vouch for and perform labor that was not tested by us to create a problem. Um, and I know that that was a pushback from the other company. I get it. But to be blunt, folks, if you're out there in this situation, do not feel as if you're going to be conscripted into someone else's army to fight their fight. It's their fight to fight, and simply because you're there, the problems that they have with their environment or their, or their ecosystem are not your issue. It's their issue. They need to fight that fight, not you. Simply because you have the skills to or to help them does not mean you are obligated to help them. And that would also decrease your value if you do help them because they'll keep utilizing you on things that you're not actually compensated for. That's right. That's right. For example, in this, 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 this deployment situation I was in, they have people in their organization that are, as you said, compensated to assist them. It's their, 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 their team. Their team is, is basically there to help them. You're not there to help them. Simply because you have similar skills or you could help them, you are not obligated to. There are others on their team that are obligated, compensated, and employed to do the work on their side of that fence. It's no different than when you have other issues where you have specialists, they have specialists, but their specialists are saying it's your fault. No, it is not. Figure it out. It is your fault on that divide. We'll help you where we can, but we're not going to do the work for you. So, and I push back, and I don't feel bad about it whatsoever. It's not our problem. So I hate to sound rude about it, but it's not. It's not our problem. Their, their deployment is, is not our problem. Their deployment of our stuff that we make, then it is our problem. Why? Because we created the application that they're deploying not the underlying infrastructure that supports it. That's them. You so. don't have to fit them. They have to fit you. That's right. For example, like... Just and we gave them system requirements. Exactly. Them. And it's, it's just like in fashion. You need to fit the shirt. The shirt doesn't have to fit you to work. That's It'll right. work with something else. That's right. And you don't see people criticizing their clothing, do you? No. You can't. It, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Right. You're it's not going to wear it. It is made to fit a given requirement. Yes. If you are not meeting that requirement, you need to meet the requirement. Exactly. Yep. So I, I know it's easy for people to point fingers. I don't play that game. I don't think you do either. Absolutely not. Nope. Absolutely not. If you can't do something, then you need to look in the mirror. I not, take responsibility. And, that's right. And the same case for the, the, again, we gave them requirements. And then to come to me and say, well, will you do this on a non-compliant system? No. No, I will not. Uh, we gave you requirements. We gave you requirements months ahead of schedule. Uh, red flag should have gone up with it saying non-compliant because it's the government. You don't tangle with that. No, no. If we tell you to do something, do it. I hate to say it, but do it. Don't do it the way you think it should be done. Do it the way that we asked you to do it. Why? We're protecting ourselves as a software vendor. I mean, come on. If we told you to do something and then a member of that vendor is now doing the work on a non-compliant system, 
hello. Where's your, where's your credibility then? Exactly. And it's like, well, well, Justin deployed this for us and it worked. I'm like, yeah, but we didn't tell you to do that. Do what we told you to do. And read the documents. Don't yeah. skip steps. I gave them sections of the documentation months ahead of schedule when they were building the infrastructure to tell them exactly what they needed. But did they listen? And did the requirements state that they needed to deploy the infrastructure the way they did? No, they did not. Did we test it that way? No, we did not. Are we going to tell them that, that, that it will work in that, in that environment? No, no won't. we won't. We'll say it's at your own risk, guys. You, you didn't do it the way we told you to. We told you how to do it. You didn't do it how we told you to do it. Again, at own risk here. And I am not going to become party to that risk because I am from the software vendor. Remember, I work for a separate company, separate management, separate goals. So... I mean, I'm all for the customer being successful, but I'm, I'm for the customer being successful as a member of my company. And doing it the right way. Yep, absolutely. I don't feel bad about that at all. I would have no problems telling the customer that. If, the, if, if our quote-unquote partner comes to us and says, well, it is your problem because you need to make, your, make this successful for the customer, my response is yes, and we delivered our portion of the success. You did not. Simple as that. You did not, and you're not going to come back to us and say, well, it's, it's, it's your problem. No, it is not our problem. Or they're not going to go complaining to the customer. Like, oh, they're not helping us. That's right. We aren't going to help them because they didn't do things the way we told them to do it. Because we they did not de- We delivered our portion of the customer success. They need to step up and to deliver their portion. And if we need to call them out in front of the customer, we will. We absolutely will. We have no qualms with that at all. Do your jobs. Do your jobs. And if you're not going to do your jobs, you might want to find something else to do. Simple as or that. you might have to find something else you to do. You certainly might. Sorry, <laughs> folks. I don't want to get on a tangent here and, and, and upset people. But, folks, it, it is a very finite type of argument. You're going to get into very sticky situations where people will start pointing fingers. I don't play that game. Christina doesn't play that game either. Um, the way I look at it is if, if a company asks me to do something, I look at it this way. Who sends my paycheck? Simple as that. Who sounds my paycheck? That's who you listen to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And only listen to them because they're the ones who do sound my paycheck. Okay? You can make a request of me all day long you want. But at the same time, if I know it's going to be a delay, and if I know that it's going to be the wrong thing to do, and if I know it's going to be a lifeboat you're not going to use long term, your better bet is to focus on the thing you're going to use long term and you force people to do their work, so be it. I am not, I am not here to push the wagon. I am not here to carry, quote-unquote, Pardon my language, everyone. It's not explicit content, but I'm not here to carry the piss bucket. Okay? That's not my job. My job is to support you. It is not to do, basically to do uh, non-compliant work for you to help you. That is not my job. You need to do your work. It's your job. You're not doing the stupid work. I wouldn't say stupid work. I think it's more like I'm not doing work that is not conducive to long-term success for a common customer. Yes. Simple as that. And if it's management's desperation to do that on their side and their management doesn't foresee all of that, then I would question the competence of their management. Exactly. Simple as that. If you can't see that far ahead, I'm here to consult you and support you. I am not here to do work for you. That that clear? Yeah. Very clear. I'm here to support and assist and consult. I am not here to do the work for you. I'm not conscripted into your army. I'm from a different army that is your ally but I'm not going to cross lines and join your army. Does that make sense? You don't see, you don't see when, when we have to go fight a, in a war, do you? Do you see British troops coming over to the U.S.? You don't see them wear our uniforms? That's right. 
You you basically have a common goal, but you listen to your own leadership. So but you work together with the other group. Right, but you don't succeed. work for them. Yeah, you work together, but not for. Exactly. All right. So same thing for you. I mean, you work together, but not for them, right? Exactly. Right. So I'm not pushing banquet carts. <laughs> I'll push an AV cart, but I'm not pushing a banquet cart. Right, because your AV carts are your responsibility. Exactly. With, with your AV firm. It's not you're not pushing banquet carts. I mean, and again, when somebody reaches out and says, "Well, we want you to do this work for us," it's like, "No, I won't do it." You can you can talk all you'd like and make as many requests as you want, but I'm not doing it. And I'm making it very clear, I will not do this for you. I will do certain things to the edge of the scope of my role, but I will not do things beyond that point. Um, plus, it also creates a, a taking advantage of situation, and you got to draw the lines too. I mean, there's things you're willing to do and things you're not. You got to stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like in your case. I mean. It's no different when you work within your, your organization. You are in a partnership with every other member of your team. Yeah. I will cover when they are not there, but whenever they are back, they are resuming their responsibility. And you had an issue with that during the week with a person who basically returned. You updated that person. Then someone else on your team got upset with you because you didn't do something that other person should be doing, right? And I passed it back over to that person, and because I didn't inform her of that, she got on my case. Right, and you have to understand the lines of authority. If the person returns who resumes, resumes all responsibility for a project, an event, what have you, if you inform that person as your partner on the team, then another person on your team needs to go to the, the point of contact, not to you. And if they come to you, that person truly does not understand that the responsibility lies elsewhere. And plus, you are doing the work as a courtesy to update the person because that is responsible. Because she was out on training. Exactly. You are doing it as a courtesy. You don't report to the other person that's getting upset that you didn't inform them of something or didn't do something. Not doing a task that is not typically your responsibility is not your role. The only way it is my responsibility is if I take full ownership of it, and I did not in this case. That's right. You basically performed an update activity as a courtesy Yes. to the person who is responsible. Therefore, everyone else on the team should be going to that person who is responsible. I mean, people, I'm just going to say it like this. I might anger people with the comments we've had on, on this episode. Quite frankly, I don't care. I'm just going to openly say, I don't care if I offended you. But you got to protect yourself, too. Absolutely, you have to protect yourself. And, to be quite honest, do your job. Exactly. Again, do your job. Do your job, do your job, do your job, do your job, do your job. You can say it's glued to your face. Do your job. I am not here to be your friend. I am not here to be your best friend. We are not hanging out together. We are not drinking beer together. We are doing nothing together. I am here to work to support my customer and to make my company look the best I can. And we, as a team, have to do that. But if another member of our team doesn't understand the lines of authority so that we can become a successful uh, entity for our customer, then we have a problem, and I need to protect myself. And uh, your partners uh, with your teammates need to understand your role and everyone else's role, too. That's right. And also keep in mind that a title doesn't dictate your role. And a title doesn't dictate the amount of respect you should give someone. That's right. Everyone should get equal respect. I mean... Look, folks, when it comes down to being a partnership within the organization, your role is going to change when you change any, any, any company. Kyle's I mean, just words. Of course it is. It's a ridiculous thing. Again, go back to Cheers, folks. There's an episode in which um, uh, Rebecca Howe, yes. Kirstie Alley, uh, took over at Cheers from Sam Malone, Ted Danson, um, and basically was giving out uh, basically, uh, basically authoritative positions within the, the, the bar, if you will. Again, strike three. Not out, though. Um, 
but essentially she was giving out roles to everyone, and there was a running gag on the episode where everyone went into her office, the door closed, the door opened, and everybody would come out all, all feeling proud of themselves because Rebecca gave them a title versus a pay increase. Yes. The point is, titles don't mean anything, and, and even, even Sam Malone, Ted Danson says to Woody Harrelson as Woody, uh, says, you didn't let her give you a title, did you? Same thing. Your, your title means nothing. At least to me, it doesn't. Um, because you know why? You could be very important in one organization, but not very important in the next. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a label for you while you're there. It doesn't make you better than anyone else. It's kind of like saying, I'm the senior vice president of X, and I'm thinking, in certain organizations, everyone's a senior vice president. It doesn't mean you're any less incorrect Look about something. Yes. It also doesn't mean you're any less incorrect about something. Well, I'm the senior vice president. I'm thinking, okay, and you're still incorrect. <laughs> That's nice. Um, you're still incorrect. Your title doesn't dictate your knowledge. Nor your importance either. Um, I've also found in many cases administrators and coordinators tend to have a lot of informal power. If you want to talk to somebody within the organization, again, working with your team as a partner to those people that you work with, go to the go to their administrator because their, their admins will be able to tell you what their schedule is like more so than anybody else. So, again, formal versus informal power – partnerships in your professional life. Now, in your personal life, make sure your partnerships are also equal. Don't be a jerk to the people in your life, people. Your kids, your spouse, don't do not do that. I mean, everyone understands you work so hard. We all do. You know, your kids need you there. Your spouse needs you there. And if they're not there for them, then guess what? You're going to be awfully alone <laughs> over time. You um, may not have that spouse over time. That's right. You'll be by yourself with half your stuff. <laughs> if you're lucky. If you're lucky, you'll be by yourself with half your stuff. If you're lucky. If you're lucky, you'll keep half your stuff. So, anyway, folks, I don't want to, to go off you know, on a tangent here or go off the deep end, but people, just understand, when it comes down to partnerships, be a partner. Be don't think Exactly. No one is going to be subordinate across lines here. I mean, if my management came to me and said, I'm going to do this for this other company, I would tell them no. I'd still tell them no. I don't care if they're if they're my management or not. There's an ethics issue there. Yeah, there is. It's like, look, we decided to do this. We are obligated to do this. I refuse to do this, and I'm not going to do that work for them. It's not my job. They need to do the work. So, I mean, if that causes friction, that's perfectly fine. I can, of course, move on to a different role within the company or move on altogether. Um, if anybody can't tell, I'm very confident in my, my own abilities. I don't cower. Um, if things that I don't like are occurring in a company, I will leave. I, I will leave, and I, I will do it pretty quickly. Um, got to protect yourself at the end of the day. So, all right. Anything else you want to talk about in terms of partnerships? I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, it was a good uh, array of topics, whether it's personal partnerships, corporate. Just help you just protect yourself, people. At the end of the day, you are a corporation of one, and don't ever forget that. Because at the end of the day, you got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror. And jobs are only temporary. Yes. Right? I mean, keep that in mind. I know everybody, a lot of people, especially in, in the D.C. Metro, are very big on status and title. I'm over that. To me, I, I couldn't care less. <laughs> I couldn't care less. I don't care who you think you are. I care about who you are at that moment. Yeah. And who you are at that moment is going to dictate how I treat you. It's based on how you treat me. And um, I'm kind of over that as well. I'm, I'm over the, the self-importance. Um, I, I'm over everything else. I focus on myself. I focus on my own career, and I focus on taking care of myself and the few people around me that I care about. Beyond that, the rest of society doesn't really matter. My partnerships are with the partners that I have in my life, not necessarily with uh, the, the general people in the ecosystem around me. I will tolerate you, but you are not important to me. Uh, the people around me are more important. So, again, we're over all that, and um, 
now it's time for us to wrap up the episode, I think. Yes. Anything else you want to talk about? I think we're good. That was a nice uh, blanket overview of partnerships. Yeah. I mean, they're very important. And again, I don't want people to think that I feel jaded in this episode. It's just we're very focused on that because we're asked to do a lot of things. I think you and I both are asked to do a lot of things that are outside of our scope. And if, um, by the way, folks, if you do it once, make sure you, you keep a handle on how often you're, you're performing tasks like that. Uh, in my case, I even provided our partner with software that they could use to, re- to rectify this issue they were having. I'm not supposed to do that. That's outside of my role. Um, that's not my job. They need to go get that themselves and, and perform the installation. Not us. It's not my job. So, yes, we can do it. Yes, we have the skills. It doesn't mean we're obligated to give them to you. So that's why they have people employed there. Anyway, all right, so I'll go ahead and wrap it up on the part. She's got to calm down. Um, <laughs> but you're passionate. I'm very passionate about that because I'm tired of seeing people get bullied into situations. And I think it happens more often than I'd like. So stand up for yourself, people. Again, it'll serve you in the long run. At any rate, anything else you want to talk about this week? I think we're good. All right, I'm going to take a sip of my Copalani here, and we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. All right, folks, until next week in episode 66, be well, never pay retail, take care of yourself and each other. Enjoy the Olympics, folks. Be safe, and we'll see you next week.